are stepping out of their comfort zones and being obedient to God in whatever capacity that looks like, whether it's up here or doing what loads of you have been doing in different ways. So bless you for that, Fiona. Submerge are going to leave us for their program now. Um, so guys, if you're on hand for that, follow the, the team out. Um, that's for our young teenagers, and that's their kind of Bible study class that goes on during the preaching. Have a blessed time. If, yeah, have a blessed time. Let's pray together, folks. God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for us that we've been reminded so beautifully this morning um, in our worship and even what um, Gareth has been sharing. Lord, we worship you. We give you honor. We give you glory because you are worthy. We thank you today, Lord, that we're free people, that we don't carry the weight of our sin or our shame or condemnation anymore, but instead we carry your Holy Spirit within us that enables us to cry, Abba, Father. So Lord, as we come to your word now, as we look at it together, I pray that you would communicate your truth to our hearts, that we would go out of here changed and walking in a more obedient way with you to bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone say it. Amen. Amen. If you've got a Bible with you, why don't you go to 1 Samuel? We're continuing on with our series this morning. And we're going to look at chapter 3 today. Last week, we looked at God's anger towards the priesthood at Shiloh, Eli and his two sons, how they were disobedient, how they were mistreating the people of God when they came to offer sacrifices. Um, it was quite a challenging word, but it was the truth of God's word. Um, and today, we're going to um, look at the transition from a broken down priesthood Eli and his sons to something new, something that God is doing, particularly in the life of one boy called Samuel. And that's what we're going to focus on today. The story moves to Samuel. And Samuel, as you know, is the answer to a woman's prayer, a woman who could not have children, who was in deep pain and deep anguish, and asked God if she was to have a child, then when that child was born, then she would give them give that child to God in service, and that was who Samuel was, and we're going to focus on him today. Samuel has been brought to Eli, um, and he's most likely been there for a few years um, when we pick up our reading, and most commentators believe that the story that we're going to read today, uh, Samuel is around 10 years old to 14 years old. Have we got any 10 to 14-year-olds, or are you all the way to submerge? probably all the way to submerge. So Samuel in this reading today in chapter 3 is around 10 to 14 years old. And we're going to work through this chapter as we've been doing in our services, looking at 1 Samuel. We're going to work through it in sections. So if you've got your Bible, please keep it open. And we're going to look at one verse and a few verses and refer back to them. So please keep your Bible open if you could. And we're going to just look at the first part of the first verse to start with. We're not going to do all the verses like this, but this one in particular. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord, assisting Eli. So let me read that again. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord, assisting Eli. And this is the point I want to make today. It is possible to minister before the Lord and be uncorrupted by the circumstances that we're living in. It's possible to live before God in a faithful way and be uncorrupted by what is going on around us. We have been fed a lie, folks, in the church and also outside the church, that greater is he that is in the world than he that is in you. We have been brought up with that thinking that we can't help ourselves. We're weak. 
We just can't resist what's going on around us. We're going to struggle. We're going to fall. We're going to fail. And we have believed that lie. Folks, as the children of God, we are called to be salt and light in the world that we live in. Our role is to bring purity and righteousness into the darkness, light into the darkness, salt into the putrid situations that we find ourselves in, and we're called to be that. We often forget this, that Jesus in the world of his day walked up and down in the midst of absolute filth. It wasn't easy back then. It wasn't any easier than it is today. And we are the same. We walk in a world that is corrupt, that is dirty, that is vile, and it is wicked. But folks, we have the power of God inside of us that will enable us to live righteous, good lives. We have forgotten that. In our humanness and in our flesh, we are weak. But that is not the end of the story. We have the life of God in us that will enable us to overcome. In case you don't believe me, the Bible tells us of a young man who stood in the presence of a beautiful Egyptian princess day after day as a young man to the very point that his clothes were ripped off his back because she wanted him to do something that he wasn't prepared to do. How was he able to run the other way? Because God gave him the strength to do it. How does a young anointed leader who's been anointed to be king of Israel not exact judgment on the man who is standing in his place and throwing spears at him and has obviously gone mad? How does he not exact judgment upon that wicked leader even when he has the chance to do so in a cave in the middle of nowhere? How does he do it? Because God gives him the strength to do it, to turn and walk the other way. How does a young woman that we looked at at the start of this story who's struggling to have children, who's been mocked by those closest to her, who's misunderstood by her husband, how does she remain faithful to God? The strength that God alone gives. This is what the Bible tells us about victorious people who were broken and weak, yes, but victorious because God gave them the strength to overcome what was going on around her. And maybe this is someone for, here, or for someone this morning. How does a mother who's getting no sleep walk through a heartbreaking family situation, not getting the support that she should, still have a heart to love God and walk in obedience to Him? Because God gives us the strength to overcome, folks. You have a power inside of you that will enable you to walk in obedience to God and minister before him in spite of all the circumstances that are going on around you. And even for some of us in here today, some of us have lived under Eli's. Some of us have been in church situation where the priests or the ministers who were meant to be treating us well, treated us poorly. But like you and like Samuel, you have walked in obedience to God all throughout that journey. And I want to remind you today that that's a precious thing in the sight of God, that you have maintained your integrity and your honor, even though your Eli was, was being abusive and being difficult. God sees that, and that's a precious thing. And folks, one day, eventually, in God's time and in God's way, he will demand an account for all the Eli's. For Samuel and for us, folks, circumstances is not the definitive factor in our lives, the Lord is the one who has the final say on where we go from here. And it's our dependence and openness towards him that will determine the next steps that we take. Samuel ministered before God, even in Shiloh, 
where there was all this vileness going on. And I want to encourage you today, folks, whatever is going on in your circumstance, God alone defines the next stage of your journey. So put your hope in him. The boy Samuel ministered before Eli. You can do that too. The second thing I want to say, verse one again, at the end of verse one, it says this, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. Now, rare is a real Belfast word. You find that in the NIV there. The word of the Lord was rare, but what it means is that it was scarce. It wasn't usual or wasn't common for people to be hearing from God. There were not many visions. And this is a description of the how things were in those times. Things were bleak. Things were not easy. The people of God had got used to living without engaging with God at all. Now, we know this is possible where you can go through the motions and not really be engaging with God. And this is what was happening in these days. The word and the leading of God was rare. And is it any wonder when the prophets and the priests of God were functioning in a wicked way? But listen, folks, and I'm going to say some things, and I'm talking to you as a pastor and as a leader to help encourage you. So what I'm going to say next is me trying to help you on your journey. I wholeheartedly believe that God still speaks to us today. He still speaks to us today. And I don't know what background you're from. I don't know if you're a visitor with us today and you come from a different church tradition than ours, but our God and your God, if you're a Christian, is a living God. He lives. He's real. We can talk to him. He can speak and lay things on our hearts as we walk through our journey with him. We are in relationship with him. But there's something we must realize, because we as Pentecostals love that part, but there's something we must realize. I wholeheartedly believe that there are times when we don't hear specifics from God, as much as we would love to. I would love it if every morning I got up, I had a list of exactly what I was to do and how I was to respond in every situation. I would love it when I faced challenges in my life that I could hear from God or see writing on the wall about what I was to do next. But that is not always the case. It's not always the case. There are seasons when God does not seem to be as vocal as he is at other times. There are seasons when we, we, we aren't hearing the way we think we should. See, we get the impression when we read God's word, whenever a 120-year lifespan is put into a few chapters, that the men and the women of God all throughout the Bible had an ongoing dialogue with God constantly. And I hear some people talking today as if that's the case, but it's not the case. The men and women we read about in Scripture had key moments and key situations where God spoke in a profound way and directed the whole course of their lives, but there were seasons that went on that they didn't hear all the time from God. Folks, we are to know that this is a normal Christian experience. This is normal for Christians to have moments when we hear God, but also have moments when we need to obey in faith and walk the walk, where we're not constantly hearing from God. Because, folks, I'll be honest, I have been around Pentecostal churches for a long time, right? For a very long time. And sometimes, whenever people are constantly looking for a new word or a new message from God or to hear God speak, it actually leaves them a bit unstable. And it leaves them a bit imbalanced. And when they're sharing with people in their workplaces, I heard God say what bag of coal I was going to buy. The people are freaked out. 
Can I say that? I've just said it. People are freaked out because we don't have constantly the message of God coming to our hearts and in our ears where we know with assurance that that was absolutely God speaking. There are times that we do, but it's not always the way it is. And if you're a Christian, a normal Christian like me, you will not be hearing God speak 24-7. But that doesn't mean he loves you any less. And that doesn't mean you haven't got something to do in the meantime. Sometimes the word of God is rare. Seasons like that. We're to make decisions in our lives in those in-between times in humility with his glory in mind. And here's a word that we need to know. Common sense. God gave that to us as well. Common sense. We're to make decisions in that way. There are people who get very stressed whenever they're not hearing God audibly and why God isn't speaking in specifics like the really spiritual people and they end up searching all over the place. But can I give you a few pointers and show you a few things from Scripture? What we see in the Bible, whenever the apostles came to the time where they had to pick a new disciple or a new apostle to replace Judas, does anyone remember what they did? They cast lots. After they had prayed, they cast lots. And I'm not advocating casting of lots for your big decisions, okay? I'm just saying, if anyone was going to hear God specifically in the minutia, it was these guys. But they cast lots because they didn't hear specifics about what was to be done. Do you remember when Paul and Barnabas separated and went different ways and had fruitful ministry in opposite ends of the empire at that time? Anyone remember how that came about? An argument. They both thought different things about John Mark, if he should be taken or if he should be left. Barnabas sided with John Mark. Paul went the other way and said, I don't want them. But folks, what happened after that? They both went on to have fruitful ministry. And it wasn't because they heard specifics about what they should do. They both had different opinions and they went opposite ways. And God used that as well. Do you remember when Paul was going on his missionary journeys and he got to one place and it said the Spirit prohibited him from going in there? And the Spirit did that on numerous occasions. We don't know how that happened. Most times Paul had made the whole journey to get to the border of that land and then the Spirit says no. He didn't know all the specifics of every part of the journey. And in Acts 7, persecution breaks out against the local church and they are all dispersed. Why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this is because God can get you to where he needs you to be through different means. Not just hearing an audible voice, but actually through common sense decisions, through difficult situations, through times when you walk towards a certain door that you thought was right and God has one just beside it. And you're left going, God, why didn't you tell me about that one? It would have been much easier to get there. But sometimes that's the way God works. Psalm 37, 23 says this, the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. He speaks to us, yes, but he also uses situations to guide and direct our paths, even when we're not aware of it. He knows where we should be, and he will work that out. And sometimes he speaks with great clarity, and other times he doesn't. A lot of the times in my experience, folks, this has been the case. A lot of the times. Can I suggest a few tips to you for hearing God clearly when you aren't? Trust in the person of God that you already know, in his character, in what you know to be true about him. Keep on doing what you are doing at the moment. When you're walking in obedience to him, keep on doing that. Keep on walking, ministering before him like Samuel did. 
Another tip, and this has become very unpopular for Christians, which is really bizarre, read your Bible. A lot of people are looking for words from God, and yet they have the Word of God right there. So read it. Get to know it. Get to know what God has said in the past. It will help you distinguish what He might be saying to you now. Read it from beginning to end. Not just wee parts that you like, but as much as you can. Devour it. And then you will know how to discern when you hear something specific from God. And you'll not take a wrong path because you've got it wrong. And lastly, give God space to speak in your life. Give God space. Ask Him and maybe wait for a bit longer than you have been. Listen. A lot of us don't give God time to listen. We do all the talking and we forget that there's an aspect of listening and being attentive to Him as we go about in our daily lives. So that's what we do when the Word of God is rare. But let's read on in the passage. Third thing I want to share with you, how to hear God and what that might look like for you. And from verse 2, we're going to read down to verse 10. Are you still with me? Verse 10, let's read down. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was laying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go, down, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. Did not, sorry. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. At the third time, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized it was the Lord that was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. What happens in this um, event is that Samuel is lying in bed. He is hearing a voice. He thinks it's Eli, and he's running to the man, Eli, to say, you called me. So he is hearing an audible voice, but this is the first time that he has been hearing this voice. It's the first time that God is speaking to him in an audible way. Now, remember, Samuel has been ministering before the Lord for a number of years, but this is the first time that God speaks to him in an audible voice. Just bear that in mind. As he's lying in his bed, he hears this voice. And remember, Eli was old. He, his eyes were bad. He was quite heavy. We know that from verses later, being very kind. He was very heavy. And I had a wee cheeky thought and thought, maybe Samuel's thinking I have to go and make him another snack. Do you know, maybe he's got hungry in the middle of the night and I need to whip him something up here. We don't know what was going on in his head. He was probably not thinking that, actually. Same thing happens again. Runs to Eli, said, you called me. Eli says, no. Samuel lies down. Here's a voice. Runs again. Again, Eli says, go and sit down. And then the third time, he comes to Eli and says, you called me. And then Eli realizes it's the Lord. A few points about Samuel. He was serving God when God spoke to him. He was not idle. He was doing what he knew to be right. 
even in the season before that he hadn't heard any specifics. If you want to hear from God, and if you want to walk in a relationship with him, I would encourage you to continue to do what you know to be right and not idle. I have a lot of people who sit around, not a lot of people, a few friends who would sit around waiting on God to speak, who just sit around waiting on God to speak. And it's not a good practice. I have found in my life when I'm doing what I know to be true, it's those times that God speaks. It's much easier to turn a moving ship than it is to get one started. Be faithful in what you know to be true like Samuel was. He stayed attentive. Now lots of us, me in particular, I love my sleep. And until kids came along, I would have slept the clock around. But now you just can't do that. You just have to get up when they say, and that's just the way it is. But listen to what happens here. When Samuel hears the voice, he stays awake. Lovely. That wasn't planned, by the way. <laughs> I don't think it was God either. Someone's messing about with their phone back there. Um, yeah, where was it? <laughs> I thought that was the Stephen Furtick moment there coming on. Yeah, someone was trying it. He was attentive. He was listening to God. I would dare say in our lives, over the seasons of our lives, God has been wanting to speak to us at certain times and we have been asleep. And we have been too keen to get back to sleep. When we have thought, brushed it off. Do you know what? That's just me. It's just a thought. Have a wee go with putting a notepad and pen beside your bed. Because we know um, in Solomon's life and also in David's life that they both had testimony of the times when God spoke to them during the night. I don't know why that was, but maybe that would be the case for you. Maybe it's early in the morning, but be attentive to God. And another thing, Samuel was a faithful minister before the Lord in the house in Shiloh, but he was also learning to hear God for the first time. He wasn't an expert, even though he was faithful, even though he was good, even though God wanted to speak to him, he wasn't an expert. He was learning to distinguish the voice of God, even from the voice of Eli, he was learning. Folks, it's okay to still be learning. It's okay if you haven't got it all sorted in your Christian walk, hearing God, but also in every other area. The most faithful people have to walk in a process of learning, and it's lifelong. Sometimes we need to lay down things that we've believed for a long time, and that's okay. But that's what Samuel was doing. He was still learning. And here's one that we, we, we could factor into humility, that he was willing to listen to the advice of others. Eli had been a priest in Shiloh for a long time, and there were seasons in Eli's life where he had heard God. He wasn't living in it at the present time, but there were seasons when he had heard God, and he was able to impart to Samuel some advice about how he was to respond. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. It troubles me sometimes when people don't want to hear advice from anyone. It troubles me sometimes when people think they have it all sorted out. If we do not have the humility to listen to the wisdom of others, we will not grow in the way that we should. Eli was able to give Samuel advice, and Samuel was listening. Now, if it had been me, I would have said, well, what do you know, Eli? She hasn't even been looking after your children. You haven't been walking in the obedience to God's voice all these years. But Samuel has enough respect for this elderly man that he listens. And the advice that Eli gives is good, because Samuel goes back and he hears the voice. But here's the thing about Eli. He seems shocked that God is willing to speak to Samuel. 
It takes him three times to realize. As people who are more mature in the faith than others, I would encourage you to be believing that the ones who are coming up after you might have a, a future that looks different than yours. Maybe they will be hearing God more clearly than what you did. Maybe God will have a specific thing to say to them in the season of their lives. Don't allow your personal experience to embitter you about the next generation. Don't let that stuff in you be laid on their shoulders. Give them the wisdom, give them the insights, give them the encouragement and cheer them on. But please, folks, don't let it be three times before you, you, you realize that God's actually wanting to do something with them. Because sometimes it'll not be three times. Sometimes a person will come to you and say, I, I think that something's happening here. And you may cut them off and say, I couldn't be for you. You're not a high priest. You're not ordained. You're not old enough. You haven't got the necessary skills for that. And Samuel time and time again came and said to Eli, and Eli went, it's not me, go back. And sometimes I think that the older we get in our Christian experience, sometimes our negative experiences can, can be put on others more than our positive ones. Eli had to wait till the third time till he realized that he not believed that God spoke to young boys, that he not believed that Samuel was old enough. We don't know. But Eli, if you're a person who has been long on the road, pass on the stuff that you know to the next generation. Don't let it be a, a boundary, but let it be an encouragement for them. Application for us from this. Be attentive, be open to God. Maybe you're not hearing God because you're not asking. Realize that you're learning. We're all on a journey in distinguishing God's voice in our lives. Don't stress about it. And ask people who are more mature than you in this area to give you some advice. As people who are older in the faith, we have a responsibility to encourage those behind us or even alongside us to walk with God and walk in what he has for them. I'm so thankful for mature people in this church spiritually um, and even in age that have imparted to me lots and lots of wisdom. And that's a really healthy thing. We need to do more of that. There's some keys how to hear God. But next comes, what is it that God might be saying? What is it that God might be saying? Let's read from verse 11, if you would, if you still got your Bibles open. Let's read a few verses from there. What is it that God says to Samuel? And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke to his family from beginning unto the end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about, that his sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. We heard this last week, the judgment that was pronounced against Eli and his house for his wickedness and his failure to restrain his sons. If you missed that, then go back and read it. But it was quite a hard word that was brought to Eli about what he was doing. And Samuel, now you remember, this is the first time that God has spoken to Samuel clearly. And I'm sure when he hears the first part of that, this is going to make the ears of everyone in Israel tingle. He's probably thinking, oh, great. It's going to be a really good word. You know, God's going to say something really good to me here. But he doesn't. In fact, he says the worst possible thing that he could say. 
to Samuel. This is not the type of word that you find in a promise box or on a Christian fridge magnet. It's not the sort of word that you hear lots of prophets bringing today. But this is what God says to Samuel. I'm going to bring judgment against the house of Eli. For he didn't restrain his sons. That's what the word is. That's what Samuel hears. If I'd have been Samuel, I'd have been like, oh no, please. Anything but this. Because remember, Eli had pretty much raised Samuel from a boy. This was Samuel's house. This man would have been like a father to Samuel. And God says, I want, this is what I'm going to do. This raises an important question for us because obviously we're in the Old Testament here. So I know that some people are thinking, oh, that, that couldn't be, God couldn't still do that. Raises an important question. Does God still speak that way? Does he still say things like this? Folks, I believe that he does. I believe that there are times when God does speak solemn, heavy, weighty, challenging words to his people and to the world at large. I don't know if you know a man called David Wilkerson. Died a few years ago, became popular through the story of the cross and the switchblade, Nicky Cruz. He was Nicky Cruz's pastor. In 1973, David Wilkerson said that he received a vision from God about the impending judgment that would come and sweep across America, the things that would happen, the way it would be, and God's displeasure at it. He wrote a book in 1974 entitled The Vision. Have anyone ever read that book? One, two, three. I see that hand. Probably about 10 of us. So in that book, it's remarkably specific about what is going on in America now. He prophesied and foretold about the time when people who were living, um, I need to be careful because we're, we're live, people who were living in marriages and living certain lifestyles that were total in contradiction to what God's word says was the ideal for marriage. He said, in fact, that they would be ordained within the church. Now think about that, 1973. That only became legal. It only became allowed in any church in 2003. He talked about the swell of immorality, the breakdown of marriages within the church. Talked about the weather, how it would change. Talked about governments. A lot of specific predictions and foretellings and woes about the way things would be. The really sad thing was, most of the church at that time mocked David Wilkerson for that. They said, God does not speak like that anymore. How dare you talk about the judgment of God? Especially Pentecostals. Didn't want to hear it. Didn't want to hear that God would say anything challenging to his church. But God was saying something and the church didn't take note. And the church and I are living in the mess that we are because men like that spoke and they didn't want, we didn't want to hear them. We pushed them out to the fringes and said, they're just prophets of doom. God does not do that anymore, is what we said. Men like Leonard Ravenhill and A.W. Tozer said similar things for most of their lives but people did not listen. There's some people that want to tell us today that New Testament prophecy has to make you feel good, has to be affirming, but it doesn't. Edification sometimes comes about through challenge. Exhortation sometimes comes about through discipline. And God still speaks words that are heavy. Sometimes God calls us to say hard things. Now let me just bring a caveat for you within the church body here. 
Whenever someone comes to share a message from the front, whether that's a word of encouragement, words of wisdom, words of prophecy, whatever it is, that always comes through the leaders who sit at the front. So Thomas is not well today and Stephen's in England, so there's just me. So if someone had felt something like Colin did, he comes forward and he says, Bill, I have something to share. There's been a message on my heart. Can I share that? And we see whether we feel this is the way God, the way things are going. So if, for instance, in here, someone had a challenging word to bring, a, a word of judgment, a word of discipline, whatever that would be, that would all come through us. And I believe that whenever you carry a weighty word like that, that needs to be submitted to leadership for some form of accountability. Because we've all been in church contexts where people want to come to the front and say, woe is me and God is angry and all this here and we're left none the wiser at the end. So within the context of a local church, if there's a challenging word to be brought, then the leadership is here to safeguard us all in that regard. That's why when people share things generally from the front, it's of a more positive, affirming nature. But sometimes if someone's coming up to speak and they maybe have a heavy word on their heart, they'll chat to us about it. So that's really part of the guidelines of how we function here in the church, and I think that's a good thing and a good way to work it. But we still believe that God says some things that we don't, don't think are, are, are very easy to hear. So that's the caveat. And you may be thinking, Bill, well, that's David Wilkerson, and that's Leonard Ravenhill and A.W. Tozer, and maybe you, but what about Scripture? Jesus had heavy words to bring, words of prophecy that he brought to his day, about the thing that would be destroyed that was most precious to the people of his day, the temple. He told people that the days were coming when they would need to flee to the mountains, that there was judgment coming. Well, again, not very popular, but it was what he shared with them. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament under inspiration of the Spirit in Romans 1, said that people would be given over to their vile affections if they continued in that way. And the days would come whenever it was so obvious that that was a form of God's discipline, giving people what they wanted. That was a word of prophecy in Romans 1. Paul to Timothy, who we've read this verse a few times in the last few weeks, that in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, lovers of money. We're seeing that worked out in our day. This is New Testament. This is prophecy. And there was another man. Anyone know about a man called Agabus? He was one of the prophets that we read about in Acts. He gave two prophecies, and this was one of them. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came to town from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. There's a nice wee word for somebody. <laughs> What Agabus was aware of and what he realized was that Paul was going to be taken by the Jewish authorities. He was going to be imprisoned and eventually he was going to be killed. Now, Agabus is not the sort of prophet you want hanging around because he makes people feel a bit uncomfortable. But actually, he was right. The word that he brought was, brought was true. And what did Paul say? Did he say, get away from me, Agabus. I don't want to hear that. no. He says, whatever happens to me, my life is in God's hands. It's a paraphrase of what he says in Acts chapter 21, or Acts chapter 22, I think it is. He goes on to say that, Agabus, whatever happens to me, I'm willing to go there, and I'm willing to give my life. Doesn't chew him away. And anyone remember the last book of the Bible? What it's called? Revelation. 
There are things in there about blood and about judgment and about death and about famine and about war, how things will play out. So don't let anyone tell you that God doesn't speak in these ways because he does. The gift and the function of prophecy is more than just saying nice things. It's about saying true things. And here's what we must ask ourselves today, folks. What is God saying to us? Are we filtering that through ears of our culture and our, the affluence that we live in? Or are we actually filtering it through what God might be saying? Because I think he has some things to say to us that maybe aren't very nice to hear. I mean that in a global sense. But we need to be obedient to that. But there's one thing hearing God's truth. There's another thing actually speaking God's truth. And that's what Samuel does next. When Samuel gets up in the morning, he goes down the stairs and Eli says to him, Samuel, what did he say to you? Don't hide it from me. We'll find that in verse 15 to verse 18. And what does Samuel say? So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what seems best in his eyes. The boy Samuel, 10 to 14 years old, stands before this prophet of God or this priest of God and tells him everything about the judgment that's coming. What bravery, what courage, not just to hear God's voice, but also to speak it. He felt the weight of this word. Eli was like a father to him, but he realizes God has just spoken. It's not pleasant, it's not easy, but Samuel knows this is what he must do, and he does it. And folks, I am the first to say, I want to hear with more clarity the voice of God and the leading of God in my life. And I know that so many of you in here are believing that same thing and wanting that same thing. But I want to ask us, what are we doing with what he has already said to us? It's one thing hearing God's word, but actually speaking God's truth and living it out is a different thing. What are we doing with what we already know to be true? What are we doing with God's revelation in here? What are we doing with the words that he said, I want you to sell this and do this. I want you to step out in ministry. I want you to work in that sector. I want you to share that with your neighbor. I want you to live that out before your family. What are we doing with that? Sometimes we're doing very little with it. What are we doing with what he is already speaking? What he is already been speaking? Are we speaking it? Are we living it? Samuel did, and to Eli's credit, he responds in the way any true servant of God should. He is the Lord. Let him do what seems right in his eyes. As I bring this to a conclusion, and here's the conclusion at the end, verse 19 to 21. Let's just read it together, folks. This will be the last scripture I read. It says, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, that was one end to the other, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Samuel speaks the weighty word that God had given him, and in respect of Eli, and God uses him throughout all the days of his life, from one end of Israel to the other. There's a correlation between us being obedient to the word that God has already spoken, and also how God uses us in our lives to affect those around us. There is a correlation and a connection. 
Samuel passes this first test. Remember the first time God speaks to Samuel clearly. Samuel passes this test. And it's because he passes this difficult test that God entrusts to him other words at other times. Anyone remember another word that Samuel brought in a difficult situation to anybody else? Saul the king. Your kingdom is going to be ripped from you. Samuel was only able to do that because as a boy he had been faithful in the other. Be faithful in the little things and God will give you the big things to look after as well. But we must be walking in integrity in that. He speaks God's truth throughout his whole life and it marks the transition between a broken down priesthood and a family to a faithful priest and a prophet that existed and walked in Israel. Samuel holds this position throughout all Israel and people come to him because in this moment as a boy, he is courageous enough to obey and he goes on to do great things as we'll discover in the weeks ahead. Where do you see yourself in this story? As the Eli going through the motions of religiosity, but not actually engaging with the voice of God. Maybe you find yourself in the position that Samuel was in, that your surrounding and situations are difficult, but God is calling you to faithfully minister before him. Maybe God is just beginning to open up that connection where you're hearing him and discerning his voice. It's an exciting time. Or maybe you're uh, the good side of Eli, where you're being called to encourage younger people in the faith, hearing God more specifically in their lives. That applies to ladies as well, although you're not one to name like Eli if you're a lady. But maybe God's calling you to do that too. Maybe you're a Samuel, and you have things that you know you need to say, but up until now you've been reluctant about saying them. I would encourage you, speak God's truth, and he will reward you for it if you honor him. Wherever you see yourselves in this story, make sure you see God because he is the one that enables us to be faithful even when all around us is falling apart. He is the one who speaks with authority. It's his voice that matters. He is the one who has the final say in our lives and in this world. And ultimately, it is his word, his word that we are seeking to obey and to live by. He is what it's all about. The worship team are going to come now. We're going to close with a song where we're just saying, God speak. God speak. Let's pray, folks. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. And we thank you for who you are. Lord, in these days, I pray that you would enable us to walk with integrity, listen and hear with clarity, and also be obedient in the way that you're calling us to be. Lord, help us in here to encourage those who are coming beside us and behind us to be inspired to follow you with all their hearts and obey you with everything in their lives. And wherever we see ourselves in this story, God, we pray that we would see you as the author, the middle and the end of all things. It's your glory and your honor that we long for, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Mm -hmm.